This is section twenty five of Mark Twain, a biography, volume two. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mark Twain, a biography by Albert Bigelow Payne. Chapter one hundred and twenty nine. Further affairs at the farm. It was at Elmira in July, eighteen eighty, that the third little girl came, Jane Lampton, for her grandmother, but always called Jean. She was a large, lovely baby, robust and happy. When she had been with them a little more than a month, Clemens, writing to Twitchell, said, Dear old Joe, concerning Jean Clemens, if anybody said he didn't see no pints about that frog that's any better'n any other frog, I should think he was convicting himself of being a pretty poor sort of observer she is the comeliest and daintiest and perfectest little creature the continents and archipelagos have seen since the bay and susie were her size i will not go into details it is not necessary you will soon be in hartford where i have already hired a hall the admission fee will be but a trifle it is curious to note the change in the stock quotations of the affection board brought about by throwing this new security on the market four weeks ago the children still put mama at the head of the list right along where she had always been but now jean mama motley cats fraulein papa that is the way it stands now mama is become number two i have dropped from number four and am become number five some time ago it used to be nip and tuck between me and the cats but after the cats developed i didn't stand any more show been reading daniel webster's private correspondence i've read a hundred of his diffuse conceited eloquent bathotic or bathostic letters written in that dim no vanished past when he was a student and lord to think that this boy who is so real to me now and so booming with fresh young blood and bountiful life and sappy cynicisms about girls has since climbed the alps of fame and stood against the sun one brief tremendous moment with the world's eyes on him and then where is he why the only long thing the only real thing about the whole shadowy business is the sense of the lagging dull and hoary lapse of time that has drifted by since then a vast empty level it seems with a formless specter glimpsed fitfully through the smoke and mist that lie along its remote verge 
well we are all getting along here first rate livy gains strength daily and sits up a deal the baby is five weeks old and uh, but no more of this somebody may be reading this letter eighty years hence and so my friend you pitying snob i mean who are holding this yellow paper in your hand in nineteen sixty save yourself the trouble of looking further i know how pathetically trivial our small concerns would seem to you and i will not let your eye profane them no i keep my news you keep your compassion suffice it you to know scoffer and ribald that the little child is old and blind now and once more toothless and the rest of us are shadows these many many years yes and your time cometh mark it is the ageless story he too had written his youthful letters and later had climbed the alps of fame and was still outlined against the sun happily the little child was to evade that harsher penalty the unwarranted bitterness and affront of a lingering palsied age mrs clemens in a letter somewhat later set down a thought similar to his we are all going so fast pretty soon we shall have been dead a hundred years clemens varied his work that summer writing alternately on the prince and the pauper and on the story about huck finn which he had begun four years earlier he read the latter over and found in it a new interest it did not fascinate him as did the story of the wandering prince he persevered only as the spirit moved him piling up pages on both the tales he always took a boy's pride in the number of pages he could complete at a sitting and if the day had gone well he would count them triumphantly and lighting a fresh cigar would come tripping down the long stair that led to the level of the farmhouse and gathering his audience would read to them the result of his industry that is to say he proceeded with the story of the prince apparently he had not yet acquired confidence or pride enough in poor huck to exhibit him even to friends the reference in the letter to twichell to the cats at the farm introduces one of the most important features of that idyllic resort there were always cats at the farm mark twain himself dearly loved cats and the children inherited this passion susie once said the difference between papa and mamma is that mamma loves morals and papa loves cats the cats did not always remain the same but some of the same ones remained a good while and were there from season to season always welcomed and adored they were commendable cats with such names as fraulein blatherskite sour mash stray kit sin and satan and when as happened now and then a vacancy occurred in the cat census there followed deep sorrow and elaborate ceremonies naturally there would be stories about cats impromptu bedtime stories which began anywhere and ended nowhere and continued indefinitely through a land inhabited only by cats and dreams one of these stories as remembered and set down later began 
Once upon a time there was a noble big cat whose Christian name was Catasaqua because she lived in that region. But she didn't have any surname because she was a short-tailed cat, being a Manx, and didn't need one. It is very just and becoming in a long-tailed cat to have a surname, but it would be very ostentatious and even dishonorable in a Manx. Well, Catasaqua had a beautiful family of catlings, and they were of different colors to harmonize with their characters. Cataraugus, the eldest, was white, and he had high impulses and a pure heart. Catiline, the youngest, was black, and he had a self-seeking nature. His motives were nearly always base. He was truculent and insincere. He was vain and foolish, and often said that he would rather be what he was and live like a bandit, yet have none above him, than be a cat o' nine tails and eat with the king. And so on without end, for the audience was asleep presently, and the end could wait. There was less enthusiasm over dogs at Quarry Farm. Mark Twain himself had no great love for the canine breed. To a woman who wrote, asking for his opinion on dogs, he said in part, by what right has the dog come to be regarded as a noble animal the more brutal and cruel and unjust you are to him the more your fawning and adoring slave he becomes whereas if you shamefully misuse a cat once she will always maintain a dignified reserve toward you afterward you can never get her full confidence again he was not harsh to dogs occasionally he made friends with them there was once at the farm a gentle hound named bones that for some reason even won his way into his affections bones was always a welcome companion and when the end of summer came and clemens as was his habit started down the drive ahead of the carriage, Bones, halfway to the entrance, was waiting for him. Clemens stooped down, put his arms around him, and bade him an affectionate good-bye. He always recalled Bones tenderly, and mentioned him in letters to the farm. End of chapter 129 Further Affairs at the Farm Read by John Greenman